0: And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show.
2: Hey, everyone's fans. Welcome back for episode 112 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Uh, we are recording on December 30th, 2018. Um, ending every, ending the, uh, the 2018 year on a bang, we have a special guest. But uh, I want to welcome Court back to the panel. What's going on, buddy? Not much, not much. That's good. Um, and also... Uh, Since we are minus one with with Rob uh, exploring the Polish landscape and hopefully he's doing well. Heard he had a fall, but um, uh, I heard he's recovering pretty good though. But in his his place uh, to help us out today is um, you can follow her on Twitter at HockeyMaven1917. She's a Bruins media member from the ninth floor at TD Garden and uh, she's the owner and editor-in-chief of thepinkpuck.com, our friend of the show, Rhonda McClure. Welcome back, Rhonda.
0: Oh, I'm happy to be here. I always love t- chatting Bruins with you guys. Absolutely. It's a, it's a pleasure.
2: Um, hopefully everything's been well with you, um, with uh, w- with the hockey season up to the midpoint, and, and health-wise, I heard I saw you were going through a little bit of troubles uh, uh, in the in the fall, correct?
0: Uh, yes, yeah, I had a, a you know, an off-season surgery and then I had you know it's, it's like the body decides oh well we can just kick back and not do anything so but I'm good now
2: nice um let's just uh jump right into it last week the uh, the Bruins did not start off very well uh losing a, a very critical game to the Carolina Hurricanes uh and then uh we had the uh the holiday break which I hope that everybody uh enjoyed with their families and, and did it safely uh, but return to the TD Garden uh, on uh, Thursday night, the twenty seventh of December, to lose again to another team that they should have beaten, uh, five to two to the New Jersey Devils. Um, Mind you, the Devils just seem to be hot. They they just their goalie just
1: posted a shutout last night.
2: Right. <laughs> uh, and and to end the week um, and uh, the last game of the the year the uh the Boston Bruins uh, win in overtime uh with the Jake DeRuss goal against the Buffalo Sabres on the road. So um thoughts? I mean I mean the week prior, and that's what I was trying to get to earlier, was um you know, you beat Montreal, you beat Anaheim and you and you really pound the crap out of Nashville. And then you come into this week, you know, the holiday season, I don't know if you know, expectations of being with family and, and so on, it are just a little too much, but really didn't give it all this week until you know last night at the last minute i, I don't know like corrales goal it was nice to see Charlie get a goal corrales get a goal
1: um it could just be like new jersey looks to be good um i i hate to use the easy win games because i don't think they exist anymore especially in this nhl there's there's the tampa bay lightning and the rest of the nhl that's what it looks like this year so saying they should have beat new jersey New Jersey came to play. It wasn't that they out-hit them. They just – I honestly think they out-skated them. It might be that they got their guys back healthy and they they rested on their laurels and they didn't uh, feel like they were going to have to push back as hard as they had been because they've been pushing so hard, missing all these guys in the lineup. It's frustrating that Marchand goes down and McAvoy goes down again um, where the call is terrible that should have happened. Maybe – the problem is with Marchand, and I hate saying it, but because what he's done so much in the past, that the refs are going to look the other way for a little bit. And maybe he's just going to get, the refs have decided this year, they're going to look the other way for the whole year. And is that is that right? No. Is, is that what happens? Yeah, they're looking like that way.
0: I'm going to have to maybe disagree a little bit about the resting on the laurels. I feel like it was more of a, when you put that many people back into the lineup, who have been out for such a considerable amount of time, that there's going to be some miscues. There's going to be some timing issues. Um, you know, I think we saw it a lot in the amount of uh, unforced giveaways that the Bruins did in in the game against the Devils. 17 in two periods. You know, they had zero giveaways uh, to add to that in the third period. So it was like by the third period, they were all firing together. Uh, so I think that that was a big, considerable... Uh, issue with them in the first two periods and then you know as though he's a brand new goalie let's face it Blackwood was on top of his game he was just having an awesome game and sometimes you just can't solve a goalie who is that tuned in
1: yeah like I said he posted a shutout last night too so he's he's playing some good hockey right now for a team that needs some good hockey because the Devils like you said before Mark are not that good this year
2: yeah, and and when Rhonda mentioned that the the, the goaltender Mackenzie Blackwood, I mean, really stood out, um, and 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 I'm I'm not sure what the number was, but I think it was over forty shots.
0: It um, was, yes.
2: Yeah, I mean that to me that's just you're not create you know you're not executing the proper way. You're just shooting at the goalie and making him look very good. You're not getting him move inside the side, so. I just think games like that, you need to see a little bit more creativity with a team like the Bruins have. I know, I know they have the potential to do it. It's just this this roller coaster ride um, this season of uh, you know we get a little bit of chemistry and we're looking really good, and then just you know you look really bad against teams that you should be beating and and trying to get these points to climb up this this uh, this Atlantic Conference. I mean Atlantic Division. Division. Um, so I mean I I I. I I'm feeling good about where they're sitting right now in the number 1 wildcard position when you're looking at the playoff picture, but you you definitely got to get out of that and and secure a little bit more up in the top 3. And Buffalo, like Court was saying, the past 2 weeks Buffalo has been really showing their signs of, uh, you know, they're coming down to earth after after a great start. And Toronto too.
1: Well, the the Leafs it was it was great to Win last night in a divisional game, because they haven't done much of that this year, and then at the same time, they were able to uh, pull off the awesomeness of beating the Buffalo Sabres and having all their other divisional foes lose. Um, I, I, I think that went huge for them last night, obviously. Um, it's just, I just don't see the quality of shots. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like they're out shooting opponents, but the shots, are, the shot selections are terrible. Right. Like they might as well just—it's like they get over the blue line, boop, take the shot. I just—you can outshoot the lights out of guys, but it just seems that there's terrible so, shot selection right now, just absolutely terrible.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you look at where Achari scored last night, right in the crease, you know that's what they've got to get back to doing. Um, you know these these outside shots, almost any goaltender in the in the NHL today is going to be able to stop those.
2: Absolutely. Um, speaking of not being able to stop, I, that's a terrible segue, but, uh, we got to go back to Thursday night's incident, um, against the, when the Bruins played the Devils and, and David Backus hit, um, it was, I mean, it was definitely, uh, I wasn't saying he was targeting and it wasn't intentional. It was just a hockey play that kind of went awry in my opinion. Um, uh, but the league does, you know, have to take that into consideration the the the, the length uh i'm i i'm a little unsure on the on the length and i know that the, his prior history plays a big part in that but what do you guys think of the hit i you know
1: i i can understand he was making a clean hit well at least trying to i just can't give him the benefit of the doubt anymore i understand he played he's been a clean hockey player his whole career but that's not what i'm seeing right now with david backus this is the second suspension in less than a year. So to me, he's, he's gotta, he's gotta learn how to hit properly again because the league is changing the way they're calling the hits. So I think he deserved every, every bit of what he got. Agreed.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I've got to agree with that. Um, I mean, and I love, I love Bacchus as a player and as, as a person, he's a great interview, et cetera. But, um, you know, Part is the onus is on him to make it a clean hit. But also, you know, part of the problem is the inconsistency in the calls. It's getting harder and harder to tell what you can and can't do.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this... Um, this it this, seems
1: the NHL is changing what they want and what they're saying very is vague. a bad hit and a good hit.
2: Yeah. Um, moving on to... Uh, the issue of secondary scoring, um, I, I want to kind of talk about what, what this can be done internally. Is there anybody in the system that can, that Bruce Cassidy can mismatch it, try to make it happen without going outside of the organization to seek help? Because I do want to talk about uh, some trades, uh, chatter, or if, if we need a trade later on. That's one of our uh, topics to hit on later on, so... I, to be honest, I,
1: I, I don't see it. I, I, everybody's calling for Anders Bjork. I don't watch the Providence games. I, I get my news from what everybody puts on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm not going to be buying the NHL package when I've already got to get the NHL package out right here in Ontario. <laughs> um, it's just from the games he's played, I haven't seen it. Um, Donato, my problem is, and it's always going to be, uh, I don't think he's strong enough on the puck, and he's a disaster in his own zone. And then you got Heinen, who's great in his own zone, but he is beyond snake-bitten this year, and it just seems he's lost his confidence. So I don't think the answer is within the organization as of right now. Um, they might have to look elsewhere. Um, they At the beginning of the year, they needed a, a second-line winger, and they needed a, a third-line center, and those holes still have not have been filled in my eyes.
0: I, As far as – because I do go down and I do see the Providence games um, – I would really like to see Ryan Fitzgerald get a shot. Boom. Boom. Mic drop,
2: everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm on the Fitzgerald train, too. I just think that he's checking all the boxes off, Rhonda, of being that prototypical Bruin. And and he works hard along the boards. He's constantly moving. He's got great creativity. And I just think he's, he's... Really, really putting himself out ahead of everybody else, and deserves a a, a recall over Anders Bjork, in my opinion.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, you know, everybody loves Anders. I don't understand why. Uh, because what I have seen of him is, uh, you know, I don't want to say mediocre, but maybe mediocre at an NHL level. If that makes sense.
2: Absolutely does, and, and totally totally agree with you. I mean. The kid, he's doing well down in Providence. But his numbers are not always going to translate very well when he gets to the NHL level. Those don't normally carry. And I always kind of gravitate to the past and say, this is what Frank Vetrano was doing, obviously at a at a slower pace than than, than Anders Bjork right now. I mean, Vetrano had 36 and 36 games. Unbelievable. But when he came to the NHL... He was virtually unseen, and he went on stretches without points. It happens, and I get that, but I, I just want to see somebody else get a chance and, and and get in the mix and show what they can do. I mean, Ryan Ryan Fitzgerald is currently under his last, his, you know, his last year of his entry-level deal. He does have RFA rights, but I'd still like to see him get a shot sometime this year.
0: Yeah, I'd actually like to see... I mean, I don't know if lineup-wise it works, but I think Heine needs to go down and, and recover his, his confidence. Um, and, you know, I'd love to see Ryan come up and show what he can do.
1: Now, like I said before, I don't get to watch those games, and I, I'm not going to act like I do. Is there anything to the fact that maybe... They want to just have Fitzgerald play in Providence for the full year and don't want to have him bring him up and down. Just oh. g- gain more confidence.
2: Yeah, no, that's 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 completely not out of, out of the realm core at all. I mean, they could definitely do that, and and he'll continue to be that sponge and, and learn and learn. Um, but it's just what what he's doing down there. I mean, he has he's he's leading the team with twenty six points. Uh, he's got five points in his last six games, while Bjork. Has got ten points in twelve games, one assist in his last five. It's and and from a person that watches every game, I I see Anders really trying hard, but I also see the same things that he was doing at the NHL level that makes me think that he's just doesn't deserve to be that call over other other players. I mean, even Peter Solaric, which is a versatile forward, you can use him everywhere up and down the lineup. Um, you know, he's got. Uh, seven points in his last six games. Uh, and, you know, he's got 22 points in 30 games. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's people down there to pick. I just, I really don't want to see a kid get brought up and play, like, in a game like the Winter Classic on... Well, oh, I don't think anybody's...
1: I don't think... I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rhonda. I don't see them bringing up anybody for that Winter Classic. I think the roster is that it is, unless Marchand can't play. And I have an inkling... I, I think we would have heard about it by now if he wasn't playing.
0: Well, it seems like even if he can't play, they can fill the they can fill the lines. So I don't see anybody necessarily being called up for that one game. Uh it would be if if, you know, Marshy was going to be out for a long time, then well, maybe they look at calling somebody up.
1: And I don't see Bjork even deserving the next call up as you guys have already pointed out.
2: Right. And uh, and per cap friendly right now, I'm looking at it, it says Ross the size is twenty-three of twenty-three. So there's this I don't know, I guess I don't see it happening.
1: Yeah, the only thing I could see happening, if McAvoy does play, because it's obviously it's not concussion related, even though some of the comments on social media are disgusting towards that thinking shot, that it wasn't is. It? Yeah, it's a block shot. Oh if he does play end all be all, someone's getting sent down. Yes. Yeah. It's not even someone. The fact that maybe someone coming up, someone's going down,
2: and that could very well be uh, Stephen Camper. Is that yeah, an option he, as a seventh as a seventh defenseman? And he
1: needs to. He yeah. He's not that good.
2: No, I mean he had that one good shot on net from the blue line, but I haven't seen much of anything else after that. Um. What about the starting goaltending? I mean, I know we always kind of touch on this every show because I, I'm a goaltender, Rob's a goaltender, and, um, and Court likes to score on goaltenders. Um, but, you know, is, is there a definitive starter right now? I mean, is it, are these two goaltenders, I mean, I know they are struggling at this particular time of the season, um, and I'm not showing any bias at all there, but... It just seems like they're coming down to earth a little bit. Halak has, has played well and he and he continues to play well, but the the team in front of him can be just disastrous as well. And that goes for Tuqaras too. You know, the team, it's just it's a hit or miss roller coaster ride of uh, of emotions in the crease, I guess. But your thoughts?
1: I'm actually to be honest more in shock than anything else in this situation because I thought at one point Halak had earned the starting role. I understand Tukas had this role for, you know, his whole career, but I, Halak has played phenomenal this year. Um, I say he doesn't have that stinker the other night and he would have been playing. He would have played that Buffalo game, but I think Cassidy is literally taking it day by day. It's yeah, just from what I'm seeing. I don't see anything else but day by day with this.
0: Yeah. I'd have to agree with that. Um, yeah. Halak, I think has, has impressed everybody. Everybody was sure that he was going to be like the worst signing ever. And he showed everybody that, that he, to the contrary, what I think I see here is that maybe they can more evenly spread out the starts so that you, you know, you don't have one guy playing like 60 games and the other guy just doing, you know, the, the true backup that you've almost got a tandem.
1: Yeah, I have I have no problem of them playing every other game. Uh, I I I don't know why everybody wants there to be a starter. Some people are saying you can't have a hockey team like this. I I 100% disagree. Um, someone brought up a very good point when when Hasek was on the Red Wings and they won the Cup. It was a tandem that year, you know, with him and Osgood. So it can be done. So what's why is it such a big deal? If you I, I made a I made a comment on social media. It seems that. After that big blowout loss, they were all like, you know, blaming Cassidy. He should be fired, which is hilarious. Oh. Then they're, they're blaming the defense and they're blaming the goaltending when the problem with this hockey club is they can't score goals.
2: Yeah, exactly. So
1: everybody focuses on all those three things when they keep missing the glaring problem with this hockey club that they can't score goals. Krejci hasn't got a point since uh, Bergeron's been back. Four games. Pointless in four games. And so everybody's idea is, well, okay, put Bergeron on that second line. <laughs> I, I still have this whole, why does Bergeron have to suffer because Krejci can't play unless he's with Marchand and Pasta?
2: Yeah.
0: Doesn't yeah. Make any sense. So, well, during when Bergeron came back and, you know, while Krejci was taking his place on that first line uh, and I was talking to a couple of the guys who I sit beside, my comment was maybe it's not as much about the center, but about the chemistry between Marchand and Pasternak. And so if you've got the two of them together, eventually, yes, I mean, Bergeron is, is beyond, you know, like he's so elite, it's ridiculous. He's the glue guy. But, you know, but other centers could center that line because those two guys are so in sync. I mean, we just we saw it. I think that's why Krejci ended up getting the assists that he was getting was because those two guys just sort of know where they're going to be and they have that connection. And so I feel like this whole, oh, we'll put pasta on Krejci's line and everything will be great. No, it's not. I think it's the it's those two wingers can 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 do what they do. So the problem is we've got to get a similar thing for the you know, for that second line.
2: Rhonda, when when talking about Krejci um in in and him up on the first line while Bergeron was nursing an injury for those four games, um, did you see an emergence in his speed? I mean, did he bring a different level to, to where Pasta and Ma are or did you just see him play his regular second line role? Uh, bring let the game come to him kind of speed while uh and, and whoever else is on the uh the wing um, adjusts to his game.
0: Um, I mean, he did comment about quote, trying to keep up with uh, Marshand and, uh Pasternak. So I think he did try to uh, increase his speed, but that's like, that's his thing. Slow down the game. Um, and unfortunately we saw how that didn't work on a couple of power plays uh, where, you know, he got stripped of the puck. So it's, sometimes his his approach to the game can be crucial because he can slow it down at a critical moment where a play can be made but when you're being hounded and you've got all these fast guys you're not going to you're not going to be able to do that you're going to lose that puck
1: yeah i i'm more i am almost like frustrated with this whole thing because bergeron and martian have extraordinary chemistry as well um when Sidney Crosby says they're the best two wingers he's ever played with, you know, that says a lot. Um, maybe there could be that that chemistry with Pasta and Krejci, but everybody's got to remember, Bruce tried it, and what he saw, and not from what we saw because what he sees matters, he did not like what he saw. He put them out there for that, that one game. He Well, not a whole game. I guess he only tried it for, what, a couple shifts or a period?
0: I I, uh, are we talking um... – the the first game that Bergeron came back.
1: Yeah, they they tried it, it for like almost,
0: it was almost it, two two full periods. I thought.
1: Yeah, and from what from what I can tell from the body language and everything, he did not like what he saw. He put them all back. He put the line put the line back together as quickly as possible because he did not like what he saw. So everybody calling for something doesn't mean it's going to happen. People really need to like chill because what Bruce has done with this hockey club in the last couple of years. Is phenomenal. The fact that this team is still in a playoff spot is crazy considering the amount of injuries and everything else. Because if you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, the one year they lost they lost Ancos, they didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah. The Boston I, Bruins lost everybody this year. I, Besides Krejci, the guy that's supposed to get injured every two seconds. <laughs> um, according to the fan base. He's the only one who doesn't go down, and they're still in a playoff spot. In yeah. one of the toughest divisions in the league right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you lose, you know, Chara and you know Miller, who's who's from a defensive standpoint, his he is like he's that backbone. I like to think um, where you've got that grit that the Bruins really do need. Uh, you know, you lose Bergeron, you lose all of these.
1: You mean, Ron, that they already have? We gotta we gotta preface that they have it cuz everybody says they need more they already have it
0: yeah no they've got the grit they've got the grit but when you lose all of these key players and really basically your entire leadership core let's mm-hmm. let's be honest you know your leadership core is, is sitting out and they can still manage to pull off the wins that's huge and that's on the coach yeah and
2: and i'll tell you as much crap as, as Bruce Cassie's getting right now i th- and, and and the season, like I said, the roller coaster season. I'm not one of those rah rah Stanley Cup every year. I believe in in properly developing and and building an organizational, um, you know. Make 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 the best freaking team in the in the NHL. That's the goal, but I just don't see. A, you know the 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 coach and 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 Kevin Dean and all these guys that are that are full in on developing, um, you know, mess anything up. And I don't want to see a, a coach like uh, Cassie at this point where the Boston Bruins are um, as they build towards the Stanley Cup winner in the future, not year by year, but in the future. I just I, I don't see the hate for that.
1: I can see them making a move though, and I do think these kids that we're all overvaluing. You can move a couple and get some key pieces in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's time to do that. You know, Last year, the move for gone. Nash,
1: it didn't work out. It is what it is. You know, there are some people that say it was a terrible move to begin with. If Rick Nash never suffers the concussion, I think we're having a totally different story. All three of us were at that one game where Nash lit it up against the Blackhawks. Yeah, yeah. So Marky, he was phenomenal that game, and that was right when he he was, and that's when he first came here. And if, correct me if I'm wrong. Two games later is when he got the hit. And he wasn't the same. And then he got another knock and just, he just wasn't there anymore. So maybe, just maybe, that trade would have worked out, but it didn't. So everybody holds it against Sweeney because he has made some not so good trades. It's unfortunate, but it's true.
0: Yeah. But also, you know, we don't know what goes on in those conversations. Let's face it, some of the trades that they, that, you know, the fans think should have been made, maybe either the other team isn't in on it. Or the player doesn't want it or it's just too expensive a trade. you know, we can only you know summarize or, or be you know throwing out possibilities. but sometimes I also think just because a guy is super great on another team does not mean he will fit the Bruins mold. Yeah. you Absolutely. know the Bruins have a very specific style that works and you have to find uh, the right player not the star player necessarily, but the right player.
2: So many different angles that have to be explored to make decisions like that, Rhonda. I completely agree. Um, speaking of bad decisions, uh, what a way to segue again. Uh, the special teams, especially the, 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 uh, the penalty kill, what is going on with the, the penalty kill that the Bruins were so many years well-known for?
1: Penalty kill, you mean the power play that lets all the shorthanded goals? Jeez.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a bigger issue, I think. Um
1: But yes, penalty kill has the penalty kill I think it's just it's miss It's miss uh, Patrice Bergeron.
0: Yeah, that you know, he he does so many things so well. He sees things again before they're gonna happen. So he can get in a position. There's a reason he's got four Selkies.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's, he's wicked good, as they would say.
2: Wicked. <laughs> Wicked. Wicked. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I think the Bruins lead the league in shorthanded goals with eight.
0: Yes, this seven season. against Tuca, as
1: as, as someone pointed out right last I night. And I was like, that's the most were- useless stat I've ever heard. <laughs> no offense to that person, because I know he listens. I just thought it was a useless stat, big time. That's <laughs> a team stat. When you get scored on a shorthanded goal, that's everybody on the ice. It just happens that Tuca's in the game. That doesn't to do with Tuca, because every one of those shorthanded goals are like two-on-ones. Them coughing up the puck and giving a breakaway. Mm-hmm. a little ridiculous.
0: And all your D-men were down. Oh, were it was gross. Down,
1: Those first two goals on Tuca, I'm just like, Jesus. Like, he makes the save and then the giant rebound. Mind you, Corrali's goal from the overtime winner was the exact same carbon copy goal. No one on Buffalo
2: did anything about it. hmm Absolutely. Uh, we are talking to Rhonda McClure. She is at in 1917 on Twitter. Uh, you can follow her at thepinkpuck.com, where she is the editor-in-chief, fantastic writer, and does a lot of recent history articles, which are, are very fun to read. But uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll get some trade talk uh, right, after the, right after we get back. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate,
1: at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand
2: score!
1: Wow, what a goal. David Backus. Scores! Scores! and Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey.
2: Champions of the college hockey world! All right, we are back with Rhonda and, and in court. Um, let's talk about some trades. Uh, I have no particular trade to talk about, but I just, the, the, the fact is that it, it, it's being brought up because it's, the Bruins are struggling. Um, do you guys think that this team needs a move this year or are there other times of the, of the, uh, the calendar that we should be addressing um, certain needs? I
1: honestly think they need to make a move because they need to fill these two holes. Um, these holes needed to be addressed at the beginning of the year and they weren't. I, I, I can almost, I don't care what anybody else says. There's no way Sweeney didn't look or try and fill these holes, but they're glaring right now and the kids in Providence just haven't unfortunately haven't been able to pull it off.
0: Now, I'm I'm torn because usually as we get close to the, you know, the trade deadline in, in February, there sometimes the the trades are kind of um, shotgun approach where it's like get something now, and I'm not sure that's always the best option. Um and it's hard to tell with the team because so many of the the you know the elite players the core have been hurt. Uh, it's hard to get a, a feel, at least for me, as to what they could do if everybody was healthy all at once and for more than like two games. Uh, so I would almost like to see them maybe make an adjustment in the summer.
2: That's that's kind of where I'm going with this whole thing. Is it just. The way this season has been constructed with injuries, call-ups, and it, it just doesn't seem like we're not getting enough chemistry throughout the four lines. It almost feels like if they do make the playoffs, barely, uh, it, to me, it's a success of the season. I know I'm probably going to get hated on for that because they're not like, oh my God, they're not winning the Stanley Cup. The world's going to end. I I just... I believe that they should keep the assets that they have, not overspend. And then seriously, like, like court said a couple of weeks ago, or, or maybe even last, last week that the draft could be another option to like reload this team and make a serious run next season. I don't want to see them take the 5 million of cap space that they're going to get increased because the league went up and, 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 you know, it makes you think about the, the, players that should be departing and their cap value and where that could be put. It's just a better draft class. I mean, I'm sorry. It's a better free agent class this summer after July 1st. And I think that that would be the appropriate time to really figure out where you're going to go from there. And And believe it or not, in my opinion, I think that if they went that way, that's when ownership should say, let, let, let Don do his job. Let Don get what he needs and then evaluate him for that last year, thoughts. Well, to me, Don Sweeney, it's
1: a, every GM should get a five-year plan. So right now, five years isn't enough. But my only thing is, yes, you're probably not going to beat Tampa. But if you remember the one year, the Boston Bruins destroyed everybody, and they were in first place. They didn't win the Stanley Cup either. I think they need to wait and reevaluate reevaluate these team reevaluate this team. But at the same time, not all these guys are gonna be on this roster anymore. So some of these guys, if you can make a deal and bring in a piece, like a, a winger or a center that you need, then you do the deal. My my rule is always if it makes the hockey club better, do it. That's all I'm always gonna be that way. I'm never gonna change. If it makes the hockey club better, you do the deal.
0: Yeah. But I, nothing
1: that's a, oh I, I don't want any short term one one deal deal. It's gotta be a you know the players coming here and it's not gonna be
2: alone. Yeah, it's gonna be the future.
0: Yeah. And see, that's what I worry most about with the, uh, you know, when it comes around to February, we often get the rental players and that's not acceptable. You know, they need something that's going to go beyond that.
1: They did the rental last year. Can't do it again. And I really I seriously doubt that Sweeney looked at Rick Nash as a rental and he thought he was going to bring him back.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, Rick Nash, you know, it, it came down to what happened to him, the injury, because uh, he probably definitely would have been back.
2: So, looking at the uh, RFAs next season, uh, at the end of this season, that need to be addressed and, and need new contracts, uh, obviously McAvoy, Carlo, Heinen, Donato, JFK, all RFAs. Now, the players that I believe should move on. Um, which may not all be popular to, to the listenership but um, I, when you need, as a business you need to address certain areas, you need money to do it, so I would definitely say goodbye to Noel Chari he's a UFA um, you know, he's done what he's had to do and I appreciate that, but I think his spot should be reserved for a player like, like Ryan, uh, Ryan Fitzgerald uh, say goodbye to Steve Camper. no question Absolutely no question there, but this one might. This is the controversial one that everybody's going to hate on me for. Is 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 the veteran captain Zdeno Chara? Um, do you bring him back? Do you look at the business side of that and say that his money that he could be asking, which probably won't be five mil, five million like it is this season, if you know if he's if he's cool enough, he would probably accept a three million dollars uh, one year term. But does that three million deserve to be put elsewhere? that you see where I'm going with this?
1: Mm. No, I get it. It's the same thing you went with a couple of years ago. I just don't, this organization and hearing from what the coach says and correct me if I'm wrong, Rhonda, I don't see them. If Chara wants to come back, they're going to let him come back.
0: Oh yeah.
1: I just don't see it at all that they would ever let him go. If, if Chara wants to come back, he's coming back. Um, and that's totally up to him. But I also think they've had these conversations and they owe him the respect that he deserves. But I agree with you on a Charry. But the Boston Bruins have done this forever, and some some people get frustrated with this. Um, fourth line guys, they fill him with cheaper guys. It's just the way they do things.
0: Yeah, um, I agree that you know if Char wants to come back, Chara's coming back. Uh, I also am probably one of those who recognizes that while he's up there in age and, okay, maybe he's not the fastest thing on the, you know, on the ice, he has some huge strengths intangibly that we saw missing while he was not on the ice, just this season alone. Um, And so I feel like if he wants to come back again and it's not an outrageous amount of money, absolutely have him back all these people clamoring to make you know have him retire and make bergeron the captain anybody ever thought that maybe bergeron is quite happy being an assistant captain that he likes to do things in a quiet way uh and so he doesn't really necessarily want the sea i don't know but i he's quite happy where he's at uh so i think chara coming back i think that would be almost a no-brainer and that may be very unpopular because there's a lot of chara haters But I feel like he brings some intangibles and those don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, but they're critical uh, to the, you know, the overall play of the team. Um, Acharya, I'm kind of torn because he's he's a big body and he's part of that grit. And I'm not sure that Ryan could fill that role as effectively.
2: All respective opinions. Um, And... uh, i'm not by far a chara hater but what does this do does this all right so if he wants to come back for one more season now does this force the hand of we need to definitely move uh, a minor league defenseman because it's they're starting the bottleneck as everybody can pretty much tell
0: i don't know um yeah, you know, I never under I'll be honest. When the when the trade for McQu- the between McQuaid and Camper came, I was sort of like, okay, D for D. Why did we do this? Um, that I didn't understand. Um, so there are a couple of things. You know, maybe there's a couple of pieces that you could cut from a defensive standpoint and still keep uh, Chara. I'm not sure that everybody that that is, you know, down in Providence, etc could fill a role up in Boston as far as the defensive, you know, the seven that they might go with. So I don't feel like it's necessarily a bottleneck in that instance. Okay. okay.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I can guarantee you, you know, McAvoy, all those guys are all coming back. I still see Char coming back. I, mm-hmm. If it was his last year, and I'm guaranteed they had this discussion. They would have said something.
0: Exactly. Well, like- and if,
1: if, exactly, and if, if it is his last year, we're going to know at the end of the season. Rhonda's, you, all the people in the media are going to get an email letting everybody know that this is, they're going to have a press conference about this, and everybody can guess exactly what's about to happen. It's not going to be a, a secret when he retires. He deserves the respect. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, his number will be retired. It's not even going to be a question of when. I mean, of if. It's just going to be a question of when. So... Chara it will have everything given to him that he deserves. I just don't see it. Like, I can't see this organization doing that to him. I think it would look worse on the organization.
0: Oh, yeah. I agree with Cord on that. And quite frankly, you know, Chara is very, very vocal about feeling that he can still contribute. Um, you know, nobody pra- nobody practices and and, you know, goes and hits the gym like Chara. The guy is an absolute beast. Um, You know, even his his outside outdoor activities when he's on vacation are ridiculously, you know, designed to improve what he can do. Um, He has the stamina, and I feel like that is, you know, just because of his age, age is just a number. If he can bring something and the team feels that he can then absolutely keep signing him.
2: All right. As we get down towards the end of the hour, I wanted to start really talking about the Winter Classic that's coming up and the upcoming week for the Boston Bruins, uh, which obviously starts in South Bend, Indiana, at the Cathedral at Notre Dame Stadium um, on January first, two 2019. And then the uh, two home games to finish the week uh, on Thursday against Calgary. And uh, on Saturday against Buffalo. So, uh, looking at this win the classic matchup and looking at the standings, uh, Chicago's currently sitting in the way out of the playoff picture with a uh, 15, 20, and 6 record 36 points. Uh, So, obviously, I'm showing my bias. I'm definitely going for Bruins win. But it could be... I don't know. I'm, I'm, the, the Bruins are one and one in this whole Winter Classic thing. So how do you guys see this game playing out, and, and, and what are your expectations on, a, um, on the third appearance? Well, I,
1: first off, I've been to the first two Winter Classics, um, for Boston that is. Um, I am at the point where I'm exhausted with the Winter Classic. I'm sure the Chicago Blackhawks are exhausted with the Winter Classic. How many times can Jonathan Tay say it's a great experience? without <laughs> probably wanting to throw up for the fact that he's like, I, it's not a great experience. It's freezing cold. It's a regular season hockey game that is a sideshow that uh, two points are on the line. It, it drives me absolutely batshit crazy that, uh, whoops, square jar, um, that uh, an outdoor hockey game cost them two points. I can guarantee you the players all love playing in it, but they would love playing in it more if it didn't cost them two points everybody's acting like it's the Stanley cup finals or something. It's just the winter classic. It's like every other game. That's the way they're going to look at it. The Bruins should beat the Blackhawks. They are absolutely terrible this year, but anything can happen with the weather, all these elements that come into play that the Bruins could lose this hockey game.
0: I feel like the reason. uh, So, you know, I wasn't at the 2010 one, but I was at, you know, the Montreal one. Whenever they play Montreal, of course, everything is all about emotion. You know, everybody, you know, it's it's just that's the way it is. But there's a fine line that the Bruins, if they cross that emotional line, they can't pull it off. And so I feel like the fact that they're playing the Blackhawks this time, there's not that emotion in it. So that if they come in saying, let's play our game and we're going to do our thing, they have a very good shot at winning. With that said, the Blackhawks, because of where they are in the standings, they've got nothing to lose. So they're going to throw everything at them.
1: Yeah, like this, this game is literally the NHL looking for more money and selling jerseys. Like I've been watching the Road to the Winter Classic, and how many times can they talk about the Chicago Blackhawks? Thank God they're not following Taze or Kane around. <laughs> I'm sure these guys are a little bit tired of it by now, but it seemed so Blackhawk heavy even the way they're doing this road to the winter classic. It's very less Bruins heavy. Um, while they were filming this, well, supposedly they were starting to film this, I you know, met up with a couple at the hotel and there was no cameras around, yet the Blackhawks, they had cameras around everywhere. So it's, I don't know. It's a little weird to me. I, And the rumor is the Boston Bruins might be in it in 2022, too. So (laughs) uh, it just gets to the point. It frustrates the living daylights out of me that it's worth two points and it's an outdoor hockey game. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. I think it's an absolute joke that this game costs two points. I think it should be the All-Star game. Make the All-Star game the Winter Classic.
2: That's not a bad
0: idea. Yeah, as somebody who has gone to, like, Frozen Fenways for the collegiate level, heads over to Belfast every year for the Friendship Four, um, some of those games are two-point games. And, you know, everybody's playing on the same sheet of ice, the same experience. So I feel like, you know, that's... that's but what not that's, every
1: team in the league is. That's my point. What? Not every team in the league has got to possibly lose two points to the element. In their no, season.
0: But they're, you know, they know they uh, they know what they're getting when they sign on.
1: They didn't agree to anything. I can guarantee you that. The ownership agreed. The NHL oh, pretty so. much told them.
0: The players didn't agree. Absolutely. No, the coach the only
1: found out at the beginning of the season. Like, it's terrible.
0: But, you know, I kind of, it's, I mean, if it were just the Winter Classic and they weren't doing all of these other outdoor ones, it would still be special. With all the other outdoor things that they're doing, it's, they've detracted from it. So it isn't as special. Um, I don't know about making the All-Star that. I don't know that your stars are going to want to freeze out there.
1: <laughs> exactly, though. But that's my point. Like, I, when I first went to the first one at Fenway, I to me, even I, I went with my father, and even he was like, this is amazing. It was amazing. But we talked to some of the guys after because we were lucky enough to, to go to a place where a lot of the guys were. And they were like, it was great, but no now, one of them was like it was great only positivity they all had a butt after yeah and then when i went to the game i took my 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 wife to the last one at at gillette i kid you not i wanted to leave in the third period and it wasn't just because of the score it was freezing so if it's freezing for me because the wind that day i was like it can't be comfortable for the players on the ice
2: yeah i was and i was the, freezing myself
1: and for fans that are at this game Going once that I could have went to the game this year and so and I just didn't want to go. I had nothing to do. With it. I just didn't want to go. People can be mad. I've turned down four to three tickets. I just didn't want to go. Uh,
2: for me, the Winter Classic is kind of cool, but it's getting a little drowned out. What I'd really like to see is more diversity in these games, and not always looking at it at a money angle. Uh, You know, get a Florida Panthers involved with the Washington Capitals or a Coyotes involved with the— Capitals have already
1: been in it a couple times. Yeah,
2: you know, the Minnesota Wild or whatever. Just do something different. It just seems like Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Chicago, Boston, New York, Washington are just all the teams that they gravitate to without giving any opportunity to anybody else or for anybody else's fans to travel and have a great experience in a place that they normally don't go.
1: But, Mark, it's, it's all about the money. You can actually look know, all this stuff up. So. up. Like, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who think they're the center of the universe, didn't get great ratings on their winter classic. They got two. They played Detroit twice, once in Toronto, once in Detroit. The one in Detroit did great, but not ratings-wise. And that's what all that matters. Selling jerseys and ratings is what's going to get the teams. The Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks have the best TV ratings and the best selling of the jerseys for the winter classic. So, hence, they're going to be in the winter classic. Yeah. The Chicago Blackhawks are not a good hockey club. And your NHL is centering about them in their big gala event for the year, besides the Stanley Cup playoffs. Blackhawks won't even make the playoffs, but they sell jerseys. They're number one every year.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason also that, you know, the Bruins play, you know, are in the same, you know, division with the, uh, you know, with the Florida teams because they're counting on when they go down there, the Bruins fans are going to fill the, the seats.
1: Yep. and they do. You
0: know, I, they, I've
1: been to games in Tampa. It's all Montreal Canadiens fans. The whole arena, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, it. I mean, there's a reason, but it's always going to be about the money because without the money, there is no sport.
1: And it is what it is. As I always tell people, we talk about this all the time on the show. People need to understand this is a business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. You you can say what you want, like you know, there's players on this hockey club right now the in Boston. Nine times out of ten, when they bring in these hometown boys, it's because they hope that they can sell tickets. The Boston Bruins aren't sold out every game. I've been able to come to Boston and before I, I realized I had free tickets and I was an idiot and walked up to the uh, stands and actually bought tickets. But the Toronto Maple Leafs sell out every single game. Like, the tickets go on sale and there's not a single game left. Boston Bruins still advertise for their tickets. I live in Toronto. Toronto Maple Leafs do not advertise, hey, four game packs or anything like that. They don't need to.
2: Right. Well, that, so that, that's all about
1: selling tickets.
2: Yeah, but that's yeah. what happens, too, is, is a lot of these organization ticket agencies, they buy them out, so technically, to TD Garden you know, Toronto got in trouble. To Toronto t- got in trouble with that. Yeah, but they, you know they're doing it, and, and they're selling 565, or, or stating it, anyway.
1: Yeah, but uh, what I'm saying is you can, also, you can also see in the stands.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, oh, definitely. On a, on a
1: weeknight game, the Garden is packed. Right. In Toronto, it's packed. You can't There's not a seat. Like you don't get a seat. It's crazy. Like I, I live in Toronto where they've had a mediocre hockey club for the last twenty years. They finally have a good hockey club, so they forgot how to win. The fan base has. Um, They're learning again. They're they're a little smug about it, but they're learning again how to win. But they could have the worst product on the ice, and these people still go in droves to the game. So the Toronto Maple Leafs don't need to be in the Winter Classic. I can guarantee you these ownership clubs like Chicago and and the Jacobs, they want their club in this Winter Classic. I can guarantee you they wanted their teams to go to to China. I can 100% guarantee you that the team and the coaching staff did not want their players going to China. Oh, yeah. Great experience, but they wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah, but definitely. They're going to yeah. blow smoke off everybody's butt and say it's a great experience, just like you're going to hear the Winter Classic. Great experience, great experience. <laughs> I can tell you firsthand, I've talked to guys after these Winter Classics. Let's They'll all make say, a drink great name. And then say, but after. Oh, every single interview about this Winter Classic is going to be a great experience. I'm going to be drunk. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> it's all they can say because they are actually, and, and I'm sure Rhonda knows this, they're trained to say when they get asked questions. They actually take classes on this.
0: Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure
1: Rhonda's heard the same answer a million freaking times.
0: Yeah. On on a lot of them, you just sort of, you you almost know what the answer is going to be before you ask a question. So there are times that I don't even bother to ask a question because I already know somebody's going to ask whatever and they're going to give whatever the the answer is. Um, Unless you know, you're Bruce for, Cassidy. You know, what? <laughs> what was that?
1: Unless you're Bruce Cassidy. He just gives whatever's in his head.
0: Oh, which I love. I mean, I loved I loved interviewing Cassidy down in Providence. Now, granted, by the time he finished talking, I sometimes forgot what I asked. So it was a good thing it was on the recording. Uh, but he is just, he's, I like that he is that fresh. Um, and sometimes you can catch the players if you ask a question the right way. You can, you can catch them with a fresh answer. Um, it's still going to be along the lines of the party line. But, you know, it's, nobody's going to say, no, I don't want to be in the Winter Classic. Or, no, I don't want to do this. You know, I hated the whole experience. Of course they're not going to. So, you know, if you're looking for that as a soundbite, then you shouldn't even be in the business.
1: Yeah, it's not going to happen. Well, one guy I did notice in, is, is Pasta. He always gives the canned answer and then starts going into the non-canned answer. Bergeron gives the canned answer from front to back, he's not giving you anything else but what he's supposed to say. Same with Marshan; he's actually gotten better with his interviews. I'm noticing, but it's I, correct me if I'm wrong. Pasta seems to be more open to his answers and having fun with it.
0: Because Pasta was never groomed like a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys are groomed from like you know junior in Canada. To, they are. You know they they're they're groomed on what to say from like you know the moment they can talk practically. Pasta, when he first came over, his first development camp was my favorite of all times for interviews because he was just having a ball. And, you know, there was there was nothing about his answers that was canned. And it was awesome. Um, And so, yeah, he he's learned some of the things that he's supposed to say. But then he still, you know, comes out with stuff that it I won't say anything is ever negative. You know, he doesn't ever say anything that you wouldn't that you wouldn't say in front of like you know if Jacobs was sitting there but he does often give you a nice little take at it um one of my favorites was you know a game where I asked him something about the the tough start and he's like yes but we won uh was his response to me uh (laughs) and you know but it so it was kind of you know he has a great way of it but again it if you want a if you want an original answer you have to you have to ask an original question. You have mm-hmm. to not ask about the win, the loss, the this, the that.
1: How did you play, did you? You know, cuz you're just going to get pucks in deep. Like I get to watch the the hockey night in Canada feed a lot. Um the in between. Mm-hmm. So it's hilarious that they get they put the towel around their shoulder and they say, "Yep." Yeah. And they keep sniffing and they barely can catch their breath and I'm always like, "I think sometimes they do that breath thing purposely because you eventually catch your breath." And it's like there's still two minutes in this interview, and they're acting like they can't catch their breath, but they're always like pucks in deep. Got yeah, got to get yeah, we're getting pucks in deep. Get get to that net, get to that net. Get your sticks on the ice, pucks in deep. It's like how many? Like like Mark said, drinking game. You're gonna hear pucks in deep, and you're gonna hear this is a great experience. I've been thinking about this since I was a kid. That's the winter classic answer. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, and you're gonna say, oh yeah, the glare. It's not that big of a deal. You know, it is a huge deal. <laughs> Hey, but they're gonna say it's not a big deal. But they've oh, all got I the eye black on, oh, so man. it's a big deal, right? Get... And then they can't they can't practice for it because when they get their practice, it's not the exact same time of when the game is. And a lot of times, the game all the game time when it's gonna start and when it actually starts all depends on the weather. That's my problem with two points when it's the elements. Then all the other teams don't have to do it.
2: Uh, Rhonda, speaking of uh, the Winter Classic, and uh, your mention of covering the um the Friendship Four over in Belfast, uh, Ireland. Um, did you have a choice on what you wanted to do this year, whether it would be the Winter Classic or go over to Ireland, or um, did you want to keep the streak of Ireland trips going?
0: Um, I, I I could have, you know, applied for this, for the Winter Classic and done it. Um, what actually threw everything amiss was the fact that I ended up getting having the surgery and getting so sick this this fall okay I felt like the the timing was such that I just didn't feel I could do that much traveling so that was on me
2: wow that's uh, unfortunate because I would would have loved to uh, uh seen your coverage um from this from this event on Tuesday now, one, two, now
1: Rondo do you guys get to be in the warmth like when I went to the game at Gillette yes. I was lucky I was in seats the the NHL provided seats that are I, they're supposed to be great, but I, I don't care what anybody says. The sight lines at a Winter Classic are terrible. You you can say what you want. They're it's not the way to watch hockey. But I was lucky enough in the third period. I got to go down behind the nets there, where the the warmth was. <laughs> it was like <laughs> the greatest experience ever. <laughs> um, but uh, when you guys are there, are you freezing? Are you uh, like, no, you?
0: we are, We were actually um, all up in the where the the media sits for a football game. Oh, okay. So it was all enclosed um yeah we were completely comfortable um even those who were technically like the the on air people who were who where you could see like the the field behind them they had you know heaters going and everything Yeah uh, there's tons of heaters down there by the
1: way cuz I walked up yeah. I was like oh my god like it was actually warm if you're by, if you're right around the rink there it's warm there
0: Yeah Yeah and like even the ones who were up above they had like tents that they were actually sitting in. So everything was protected for them. And the only open area was directly behind them. And so, you know, then they had their coats and everything, but they were all, you know, they weren't freezing. No, yeah, that, so we're, we're definitely not freezing.
1: Yeah. Cause the one side of the stadium was like a wind tunnel. One side was warm. Like for the alumni game, I was on the other side, and then for the game, I was on this side. And I was, I was texting my dad. I'm just like, this is terrible. <laughs> like, this is not enjoying. I, I don't know how people can go watch a football game. It's just freezing.
0: So I will say, from a from a hockey geek addict standpoint, being that removed from the game and not hearing the sounds of the game is for me a downer. I like being able to hear everything. I love to hear the you know the skates on the ice, the the sticks on the pucks, the whole nine yards. Or so, or
1: everybody's saying good stick, good stick. I think that's all you hear in the NHL now. Good stick,
0: good stick, stick. <laughs> good um, stick. I I love the sounds. So for me to be up in that enclosed area, um, you don't get that. You know, it's it's sort of like watching it on TV with the you know with the mute on. So that for me was not as exciting.
2: Well, what's been exciting is uh, your appearance on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast today. Rhonda, um, please, everybody, uh, go to Twitter, follow her, at HockeyMaven1917. She writes for the PinkPuck.com, which she's the owner and editor-in-chief. Rhonda, again, such a pleasure to have you back. I'm glad that you're doing much better, and, um, and keep doing what you're doing, because uh, you, you live-tweet, you write, and you do t- such a great job, and like I said, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Oh. And, you provide,
1: and you provide people with Christmas gifts for their parents.
2: <laughs> You're
0: welcome, Court.
1: Thank you.
2: <laughs> nice. Uh, before we leave and check out, I just want to say uh, Happy New Year to everybody. I hope uh, all your families and friends are safe in, uh, in the upcoming 2019 calendar year. And I also want to give a shout out to all the uh, listeners that went on to the hockey, uh, BlackAndGoldHockey.com website and used the Fanatics uh, banner for the shopping needs over the uh, holiday season because uh, we really did a great job and we cannot thank you guys enough for that it really helps um cut the the operating costs so um that's it for 2018 we'll be back uh next week where we'll talk about the winter classic and the two games uh one against calgary flames and on saturday the uh buffalo sabers so everybody have a great week be safe bye
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277 at courtlalonde and at rob40bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.